Jesse Beal is director and Oprah Journal is assistant director of Michigan State University's Lesbian, Bisexual, Gay, and Transgender Resource Center. That's a division of Student Affairs and Services. And Jesse and Oprah, great to welcome you both to the show. Yeah, thanks so much. We're so glad to be here with you. Thank you for having us. And uh, Jesse, why don't we start with you? Tell us a little bit about your role at the center. What do you do? Great. So my name is Jesse Beal. I'm the director for the LBGTRC. As you've already said, I use they, them pronouns. A lot of what I do in the center is our trainings and workshops for faculty and staff, curriculum development, doing consultation services to make sure that our departments all over campus are as LGBTQ A plus inclusive as possible. And I supervise um, a fabulous staff team that includes Oprah. Hi, I'm Oprah Jernell. I'm the assistant director, um, as was mentioned. I use she, her, hers pronouns, and I do our large-scale programming primarily. So our LGBTQ History Month, um, Trans Day of Remembrance, Trans Day of Visibility, our Lavender Reception, Pride Prom, um, those huge events um, that take a lot of planning and a lot of moving pieces. Um, Also over our student-facing trainings and workshops, So I'll go to different student staff across campus, um, our resident assistants in residence halls, new student orientation leaders, um, and train them on LGBTQ inclusion. I also advise our Alliance for Queer and Allied Students um, and do general support for students who come into the Resource Center, connecting them to resources across campus. And, you know, you've both started to answer this a little bit, but... Tell us more about what the center does. What are some of your short and long-term goals for the center? So the LBGTRC is a home away from home for a lot of queer and trans students across campus. We have a family room where uh, people are often found napping or watching endless YouTube videos, um, but mostly just hanging out, connecting with one another, finding community because chosen community is so important. Uh, to us in the LGBTQA plus community. Um, We do tons of trainings and workshops. We do all of the beautiful and amazing programs that Oprah just listed and so very many more. But I think for me at the end of the day, our job is we affirm that LGBTQA plus people on our campus and in particular our students are perfect and whole and complete exactly as they are. And we celebrate, affirm and empower them. Oprah, what would you add? Gosh, what is there to add? Um, that was like the perfect answer. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing right? at you. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say, um, I mean, we are a resource center, right? So we're kind of that middle person. Um, so Jesse has done a great job of making connections across campus. So when a student comes in and they're like, you know, this thing happened, um, Jesse's able to go through the Rolodex of people they know and say, oh, I can connect you to this human in that college um, who can support you with making the choice on that um, or to figure out how to fix that. Um, and so many of our students, like our campus is so huge, right? So they come to us um, and we have to connect them so that they can get support other places. And that's why it's so important that we do all the workshops and trainings and keeping our website up to date with um a glossary of terminology so that folks who are just sitting in their offices um, can go, gee, I heard this word today. What does that even mean? Um, And they can try to figure it out um, to best support students. And I think that we do a great job of that. Our our website has so many resources on it. So if folks really don't want to talk to a human, um, they can always go to our website and explore more about our community. I'm glad you gave that, that shout out. So a little bit more about how people can engage with the center, Jesse. 
If it's okay for me to just go back for one second, I do want to give a shout out to our coordinator, Morgan Doherty. Morgan is responsible for that amazing website uh, and keeps up with all of the resources on there and is currently in the process of actually updating everything for the new school year. So there's three of us that are full-time professional staff in the office. Morgan! So a little bit more about how people can engage with the center, Jesse. The easiest way for faculty and staff to engage with our center is to either attend one of our trainings or workshops or to bring us in for consultation. So we have the Quest program, which is our curriculum. Uh, Right now, we are just doing that in person. And by in person, we mean over Zoom currently, but eventually we'll be back on campus and doing it in person. And then in August, we'll have an online Quest program for folks to take at their own pace. Uh, For consulting services, you can bring us in to look at what you're doing, at the paperwork you have, at the forms that you ask folks to fill out, to look at your practices um, and how students, faculty, and staff interface with your office so that we can ensure that you're being as LGBTQA plus inclusive as possible. For students, I think the easiest way for folks to engage is to, well, A, start with social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, our website, or to come to one of our many events and programs. Oprah, I'd love for you to talk about New to You um, and some of the other ways that students will be able to engage with campus when they get back. Absolutely. So um, our New to You program runs six weeks, those first um, six weeks after everything starts to calm down. Um, And I say that with like bunny ears because, you know, September and October, like folks are just full speed ahead um, with everything on campus. But we do run a six week uh, new LGBTQ student to campus um, resource sharing, community building events. And it's a series of events all announced before students even get to campus. Um, But it's all geared towards making campus a little smaller um, so students don't feel so lost because it's very easy to get lost on MSU's campus um, between your classes and your residence hall, like trying to find that space where folks know your name, they know your pronouns, um, and you matter and you can show up. Um, And when you don't show up, someone notices, right? Like, if that doesn't happen, um, lots of students maybe don't come back for their second year or their third year. So it's really important to make campus smaller. Um, how students can get involved when they first show up this year, um, August 31st, we're planning an, uh, an evening of new student welcome events. So um, we'll have a welcome event for LGBTQ students of color. Um, right after that, the large new student welcome, and then a welcome for graduate students um, to campus so that folks can start building that community. It's, it's especially important for graduate students because they are in their building. Um, their cohort might be like four people. They might be the only queer trans person in their four people cohort. So how do they make community outside when, you know, from sun up to sundown, they're in their building, in their classrooms or or working their um, teaching assistant jobs. So we really try to make sure that we have something for everyone. I'm talking with Jesse Beal and Oprah Journal from MSU's Lesbian, Bisexual, Gay, and Transgender Resource Center. And you've both talked about the pronouns. Could you explain the pronouns and also the various letters with the A plus added on? Sure. So pronouns are words that we use in place of your name. So most people have pronouns that they expect people to 
use for them when they're not in the room, right? The most common ones are the he series, he, him, his, or the she series, she, hers, her, she, her, hers. I think it's important for folks to remember that they, them, theirs pronouns has been used as a singular since I think it's 1375, right, Oprah? You are correct. Very, very early. So this is not a new thing, but it feels like a new thing to a lot of people because they haven't heard about folks using they as a singular for people who have a non-binary or a transgender identity, right? Um, I use they, them pronouns. Those are the pronouns I expect for people to use for me um, when I'm not in the space or when they're talking about me, when I'm even in front of them. Um, And I've been using those pronouns for a really, really long time. Um, All they take is a little bit of practice. Um, People can be um, very helpful in creating an inclusive space for transgender and non-binary folks by simply using the pronouns that we ask you to use for us. And all it takes is a little practice. I mean, you know. I agree. Yeah, it, uh, a lot of the pushback will be, you know, how do I even, how do I even learn what a person's pronouns are? Well, you ask. Um, you, you don't, right? You don't assume um, that you know someone's pronouns because when you assume that you know someone's pronouns, you assume that you know, you know, their gender and, and when they wake up, the words that they use for themselves in their brain and in their heart. And we don't know that by looking at someone. What you're doing is you're taking cues from their body, from the length of their hair, um, sometimes from a name on a, on a list. You might just have a roster for your classroom. And so um, you're assuming so much from so little when all you have to do is really ask someone who they are and, and get to know them. Like when you meet that person, actually meet them um, and, and leave whatever bias, stereotype stuff um, that you might have. Uh, to try to put someone in a box really quickly. Like as humans, we want to know as much as we can with as little time spent as we can, right? Like I want to put you in a box so that I can move on. Um, but we that hasn't served people for a long time. It hasn't served all of us for a very long time. And, and it's very damaging, very harmful. So if folks are propelled to create more inclusive environments, like one thing is to take your time um, and, and ask people their pronouns, provide a space for them to share them. So um, Jesse mentioned a while ago, like intake forms, uh, website forms where, you know, students can sign up for a meeting, add a spot in there for them to add their pronouns. That way, you know, when that student comes into the room, um, how to talk about them in a way that's respectful. Oprah, you said one of my favorite things that you say in trainings and workshops, which is when you meet somebody, meet them, right? Don't assume things about them. Get to know them for the perfect, amazing human that they are in the world. Absolutely. I want to add one tiny thing to that, which is for folks who are not transgender or non-binary or who don't use um, a gender neutral pronoun, the easiest thing you can do to normalize and make it okay for people to share their pronouns is to just share yours, right? And that may happen in your email signature, or it could be Russ, you could so easily say, hi, my name is Russ. And these are the pronouns I use. And that gives me as a non-binary person in the world, a little bit more space to say, hey, I'm Jesse. I use they, them pronouns. Thanks so much. Right. Um, so some of the job is not just ours, right? Some of the job is everybody else's. And, and explain the inclusive significance of the A+. Oh, yeah, that's great. So um, you'll notice that we're the LBGTRC, right, which is not the common usage of the acronym, but that's our name right now. Um, And so a lot of folks tend to have questions about that. Uh, The more current acronym is either LGBTQA plus or LGBTQIA plus. And so that's lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, 
intersex, agender, asexual, and plus means on and on and on in the rest of the acronym, right? Because the problem with the acronym is we're going to leave somebody out unless we have it go for a very, very, very long time. Um, I jokingly call it the ever-expanding acronym, um, which I get to make that joke. I don't know that, you know, people who don't belong to the LGBTQA plus community get to, um, but, you know, no, no is the answer. Um, But I think the more inclusive way to have the acronym these days is to include the plus sign to indicate that there are more identities that are not included in the first set because we are ever growing and we are huge and we are not just one community. Yes. Oprah, anything to add? Uh, Friends speaks my mind. Well, and of course, June is Pride Month. How do you celebrate Pride Month? Why is Pride important to celebrate? Yeah. So Pride Month is June um, internationally. um, And that commemorates the Stonewall Uprising from 1969, which was several nights of um, protests against police brutality. And um, the following year was celebrated as Pride and then year after that and year after that. So um, look it up if you don't know much about Stonewall. But uh, it is internationally in June. Our campus and many college campuses celebrate in May or April because that's when students are still on campus. Um, They usually leave right after that for summer breaks. But um, what we do, uh, we have what, what I call our big three which is uh, we start off with a Pride Month kickoff in April, and then that goes into our Pride Prom, which is usually around the end of that week, um, which is just an opportunity for folks to get together, dance, um, play games, eat some food, and hang out. Uh, Last year, we were able to have it in the MSU Museum on campus, which is really exciting um, to partner with the amazing MSU Museum folks and um, to get to have that space Because a lot of students, if they were um, out in uh, high school or not, um, weren't able to go to their prom with people that they wanted to go to go with or dates that they wanted to go with or wear the clothing that feels the best for them um, at their high school prom. So it's really important to give folks an opportunity um, to show up just as they are, as amazing as they want, with with as much glitter as they want. Um, I had a little glitter on last year, so it was very exciting. Um, But yeah, and then we close out um, our big programming pieces in April with our Lavender Reception, um, which is our LGBTQ graduation ceremony um, that we have historically held at Kellogg. uh, But this year we did virtually, um, which was an adjustment, but still wanted to honor our LGBTQ graduate students at all levels, um, bachelor, master's, um, PhD, MD, um, anyone who is LGBTQ and uh, graduating gets to participate in that. I think everything you said was awesome. And Pride Month this year was a little bit different, right? In April for our students on campus. It's a little bit different for us too. Um, All of us LGBTQA plus folks across the world with COVID-19 happening. And I think what you said, Oprah, at the very beginning about us remembering that Pride began as a protest against police brutality is really important given where we are today with the protests that are happening all the time. It's really important for us to hold fast to that Pride is not just parades and glitter and rainbows and all of those wonderful things. It's also a fight for freedom. And for me, Pride has a special significance this year that is good for us to remember and hold on to because a part of being queer in this country, in my opinion, is 
struggling to create more freedom and more space for all of us to exist. Well, what would you like people to understand about the LGBTQIA plus community at MSU? And sort of a two-part question, is there either a fact you'd like to reinforce or a myth you'd like to uh, dispel about the community? Sure. I think for the LGBTQA plus community at MSU, I think we can't think about it as if it's just one community, right? The LGBTQA plus communities um, are diverse and LGBTQA plus people exist in every, you know, employee group, in every racial identity, in every religious group, in every student group. All, we're everywhere. Um, I don't say that to sound scary, but we are. We're everywhere. Um, and we are um, so representative of the diversity that makes MSU so beautiful. And there are so many ways to engage with us. So we've talked a lot about how faculty and staff can engage with our center and how students can engage with our programming and with each of us as individuals. But there's a few other ways um, to engage with the LGBTQA plus communities on campus. Um, one is EPIC, our Employee Pride and Inclusion Coalition, which is our faculty and staff organization for LGBTQIA plus folks. They're fabulous. Uh, they just got relaunched at the beginning of this past year. Um, so they're about at a one year anniversary, but they've existed for a long, long time under a different name. Um, and that's a fabulous way if you're LGBTQIA plus identified and want some community member, community with facu other faculty and staff fabulous way to get involved. Um, we also have an LGBTQ minor housed in the Jensen. And I think that's a great um, way for folks who are current students to be able to engage with LGBTQ scholarship. Is, is there a fact you'd like to reinforce or a myth you'd like to dispel? One of the things we hear a lot is that, you know, all these pronouns have come out of nowhere. Um, all this stuff, like, well, what does all this mean? You know, and it hasn't come out of nowhere. Like Jesse talked about 1375 being the first time, the first recorded, to be specific, recorded time that uh, they was used as a singular pronoun. And 1375, like none of us were alive, like at that time. So it, it, this hasn't come out of nowhere. It's just that folks weren't paying attention. Um, folks were uh, under the threat of, of death and safety and losing jobs and all these different things, you know, folks were oppressed and, or are oppressed. Um, and so, yeah, you, you don't, you're not going to have someone, you know, tell you who they are when they can't trust you that they're going to have their job the next day. Um, and so it's important to understand that we've always been here and we're everywhere. Um, just like Jesse said. So um, I think that's one of the things that I want folks to understand is like, this stuff isn't new. Yeah, and the language is changing so rapidly, but a part of why the language why the language is changing so rapidly is because we haven't been able to talk about ourselves freely and in public for very long at all, right? Like we have only been able to be fully who we are in the world. LGBTQA plus people have existed since humans existed. We just had different language for that all throughout history. And so this is not a new thing. It just looks a little different than it used to. Right. And I am so glad you said like you know, people are still oppressed because just today, right, we had a ruling from the Supreme Court, which said that Title seven of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 will would prevent gay folks and transgender folks from being fired which is huge and amazing and a gigantic win. It was a 6-3 decision. Um, it has huge implications for other 
uh, sex-based discrimination cases. I'm thinking about Title IX, looking also to the recent Health and Human Services rule, um, which was going to basically allow discrimination in healthcare, and then the recent HUD rule that would allow folks to be denied housing in homeless shelters. So this is a huge and impactful ruling today that's going to make it a lot easier for us to be able to make a case that you can't actually discriminate against us based on our gender or our sexual orientation. Just a little bit more about inclusion and ways all of us can practice solidarity. The number one thing I'm seeing right now, given our current political moment, is the need for folks to diversify their media consumption. Right. If you're not hearing the stories of LGBTQA plus people, that has to do with what newspaper you read or what movies you watch. And so something that everyone can do that's actually super easy and also fun, right, is to actually start reading books about queer and trans people, watching films, learning more about who we are, because we are you. We are a part of what it is to be human and we exist and we probably exist in everyone's families and communities, right? So learning a little bit about who we are and our story and our struggle is incredibly vital. And I have some film suggestions if anyone's interested, right? Very simple things folks can do on campus. Please put your pronouns in your email signature. That is such an easy way to just do a simple thing that will make a difference and teach somebody something about what it means to be LGBTQA plus in the world. Um, Change your forms. Go to a training. Don't assume people's gender or pronouns when you're talking to them. Actually get to know them, as Oprah said. Oprah, anything else to add? Gosh, take your time. Um, And I would say uh, it's it's like one line on one of our slides. But it's like, you don't have to know everything. Jesse and I don't know everything. Um, And I think a lot of folks uh, stop completely, get turned off by the concept of inclusion because they feel like they need to know every single thing before they can do any actions at all. And that's just not true. Uh, We just need you to show up and to try. And when you mess up, to apologize and then do better the next time. And then do better the next time after that, Um, because it's about uh, progress, not perfection. And so always and and we need folks to to start um, and to keep going, you know, that's great. Well, would either of you like to add anything before we go? I'll just say it's such a pleasure to work with Oprah and Morgan in the Resource Center. I think we have an incredible staff team, and I'm really proud of the work that we do. Well, Jesse and Oprah, thanks for the conversation, and thanks for your important work. Thanks so much for inviting us, Russ. That's Jesse Beal and Oprah Journell from Michigan State University's Lesbian, Bisexual, Gay, and Transgender Resource Center. And I'm Russ White. This is MSU Today.